Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another brand new episode of the Define University podcast. I am your guest, Lindsay Titus, and I'm so, so excited to dive into today's episode. Fun fact, this is one that I've, I've known is coming, um, but it took a little, a little bit of uh, time and convincing uh, to bring our next guest on. Um, but I know, I, I cannot wait for you to uh, hear her story. It's somebody's story that I've gotten to know really well over the last year or so. So I'm so excited to dive into it today with you. Uh, so without further ado, I would love to welcome Sandra Weir to the Define You podcast. Welcome, Sandra. Thank you, Lindsay. I'm really excited to be here. Like you said, it's been a long time coming, but I'm super glad that today's the day. So yeah, yeah. I know. I think like six months ago, I planted the seed. Like, so, you know, yeah. one day you're coming <laughs> yeah. on the show and uh, you reached out a couple weeks ago and I was so excited yeah. and it was like, a, yes, as soon as we can yeah. get you on, yes, we're going to do it. So right. I'm so excited uh, to dive in. Um, Sandra, for, for people that may not know you yet, may not be connected with you yet, can you give just kind of that brief overview, what you do, who you are, all that good stuff? Sure. Sure. So I'm Sandra. I am um, a wife and a mom. I'm actually a mom of grownups. So my kids are 27, 24, and 22. So I've survived the teacher mom years. Um, I have a little dog named Shotzi. So she's my, my um, at home sort of my, my pet and my, uh, my baby fix right now. Um, I'm a teacher. I've been an educator now for this is my 30th, um, my 30th start. So Tuesday's our first day of school and it'll be my 30th first day of school. So that's kind of exciting. Um, I have been an educator in Canada. So I'm from the Montreal area of Quebec, but I've also been an educator in Ontario. I've worked in Northern Ontario. I've worked in the town of Mississauga. And uh, right now I'm working outside of Montreal in a little town called St. Lazar. And I've taught every grade from K-4 up to grade eight. This year, my assignment is a five-six split class. Um, we have a bilingual system in here in Quebec, so I am actually a bilingual teacher this year. I'm teaching English and French to one group of kids, and I'm really excited about that. Other than that, I guess I I love to read. I love to walk. I walk my dog. I you know hikey type things. Um, I'm a little bit of an edu geek, so you know education is also a hobby for me. And um, I don't know, I guess that's about it. Oh my goodness, Sandra, I can so tell that you have done some of the work with Define mm-hmm. University because that, and just the answer alone gives me like goosebumps because <laughs> not only, like you hit all three parts, right? So yeah. we always talk about in, we're just going to jump in, we're just going to jump mm-hmm. in. Um, we, you know, we always talk when we talk about identity, that it can yeah. be so easy to link our identity with like what we do, Right. I'm an educator. Hmm. Boom. And that's and that's a huge part of it. Listeners, don't don't get me wrong. Like that is a huge part of your identity. Absolutely. But if you notice what Sandra did, like she hit on, you know, the personal side first, right? I'm a mom and I'm a wife. Mm-hmm. And she hit on the education journey part of her identity. But the piece that the piece that I love that you added at the end, that's a piece that's often left off is okay, what do we do outside of kind of what I call those top three? 
mm-hmm. which is usually your career, um, like your marital status, so either a boyfriend or girlfriend, a, a, you know, wife, a husband, a partner, whatever it is. And then if you are a parent, that's usually, you know, where either the kids or the pets or anything of that sort comes in. But you also then label the other pieces to you. You're a reader, right? You do love education. We talk about that all the time, right? Yeah. So you're constantly consuming information. But so I just love, um, you know, that you incorporated those. And, and to educators listening, I think that's really important, right? When you think about your identity, when you make that list of this is who I identify as, do that, right? We've done that activity how many times over the last year? And it changes, right? It evolves, but it pushes you to really get at who else, you know, or what else creates me. Yeah. So, so Sandra, I kind of want to dive into that as we talk about your mission as an educator. I'm going to kind of combine these two kind of topics. Okay. So when you think about that, like when you think about what's your mission as an educator, you're going into year 30. Like, so this has been a huge part of who you are, right? What would you say now heading into year 30 is your mission as an educator? Okay. Well, it's funny because it connects, right? Like, I mean, what we're saying about having like sort of being rounded and having different parts of your life. Um, I remember as a kid, I always wanted to be a teacher, but I was also like that kid who did school well. I was a compliant kid. I was a quiet kid. And I think my mission kind of comes from something that happened uh, when I was in high school. I was a, a good student and I was always, you know, complimented on being a good student. But my father passed away when I was in 11th grade. And I remember teachers, not a lot, but two or three teachers coming up to me and asking me at a younger sister, how's your sister doing? And I realized that the teachers weren't seeing me as like a whole person. They were seeing me as I'm a good student. She's a good student. So she's okay. So let's check on her sister. My sister was a little bit more of a rebel. So um, I don't know. I think that was where the seed was planted for my mission. Like I want kids to feel like, not that they're just that they're important, obviously, but also that there's more to them than just school. Like that you see a kid's academic performance or academic struggles aren't who they are. Like they are a whole entire person. And I think um, having done the work with Define You and working on that for myself, I'm even more aware of that mission and how important it is. And it's actually really changed my teaching a lot, like diving into kids and what are you all about? And the fact that how you perform in my classroom or how you act in my classroom is not you, right? It's, it's just, uh, it's just part of your day. So. Oh, I love it so much. And I love that you brought up, you know, that piece too, because you and I connect very much on that. We were very similar growing up. We were, you know, yep. You tell me to do it, I'm going to do it because that's, that's, you know, we've unpacked those limiting beliefs, right? Because we've learned that's really what it is. Mm-hmm. If we have this mindset of I have to be a certain way, it's because we know it comes from a limiting belief from when we were younger, right? right. It was strengthened back then. And so it's part of who we are today until we choose to change it. And I think you bring up, you know, a really good point. I have an episode on this earlier on the podcast where it's, you know, don't give up on the quiet ones. Mm-hmm. Because again, those those quiet kids that are often compliant will do what you're asking, you know, and, and sometimes not, but sometimes they are. And from the outside, they look okay. I was right. that kid growing up, right? Mm, me too. So, right, exactly. You know, I had the 
you know, for me, it was, I had, um, you know, my mom being an alcoholic and mental health concerns and, and all these things and me trying to keep things going in the family. And I would go to school just trying to keep it together, mm-hmm. but I could, I could keep it together until I couldn't. Right. Right. And so I think it is so important to really look at what might I not be seeing, right? Mm-hmm. What's underneath, we use the iceberg, right? What's underneath the iceberg? It's because even though, even as adults, we're trying to figure out this identity piece, right? Who the heck am I? <laughs> what am I doing here? What's my purpose? Kids are, kids are the same. They might not know those words, but they're mm-hmm. absolutely thinking, do I fit in here? Right. Do I belong? Mm-hmm. Right? Is there a spot for me at the table, right? We use that term. And so I, I love that, that they really are interconnected. Um, so when you think about Sandra, it sounds like your mission has stayed, you know, pretty consistent from mm-hmm. when you started to where you are now. When you think back to like year one, two, three of teaching to where you are now, has your, would you say your, your mission has strengthened more or maybe your own identity has strengthened more, like your understanding of who you are? Yeah, I think it's funny because I was thinking back to my first year of teaching where my identity as a teacher was just me. Like that's who I was, right? I'm I'm this person, I'm this teacher. And my mission was was the same. The way I approached it was was just like it was all me. And then as I went on in education, I started trying to like emulate other teachers. And that brings me to like some advice, like the define you advice is you teach like the educator you are, you don't teach like anybody else. And I think I got lost along the way for a good chunk of time, trying to be other teachers I admired instead of just trying to be me. And then since, you know, just for the last couple of years, since I've been working with define you, I'm, I feel like I'm really back to myself. And I think I was giving kids a quality education in the meantime, and I was caring about my students, but it's not like I didn't have that same feeling. And when I really think back as a first year educator, I had that feeling like I am teaching like the person I am today, which is, you know, kind of cool. So. Yeah, absolutely. And you bring up, you know, one of my favorite concepts that took me a long time to learn, right? Like, I think one of the things I like to share as often as I can is I'm, I'm learning everything that I teach. I learned in the last four years, you know, Mm -hmm. so I, you know, I'm heading into year 16 of, of education. And so the first, what the first 12, (laughs) you know, I, I did not know any of this. Like I was Mm -hmm. just doing what I, I was living in Shouldville, right. Is part of my story. Like I, well, I should do this and I should do that. And I should go get that. And I should go get that thing. and, And I should do that. And it really doesn't matter what any of those are because I wasn't doing them for me. I was mm-hmm. doing them to um, kind of prove my worth to other people, right? Yeah. And I think that, you know, so everything that I teach now is because I've, I've learned it and I've done it and it's made such a difference. And, and the big one for me is, you know, we live in a world that is, that is consumption, right? We consume mm-hmm. other people's content. But it's recognizing that through that consuming, we still get to create our own meaning. Right. So adding in that step, because what I used to do is kind of what I was hearing you describe, like I'd see a teacher do it and I would try and like almost be robotic about it. Right. Well, they did it this way. So I'm going to do it exactly the same, Mm. you know, or I would go, I'd purchase something from teachers pay teachers and I wouldn't even really look through to change it. I was like, well, this is how it was made. So this is how it's designed. Right. And now I still do both of those things. I still watch other teachers. I still buy things from teachers pay teachers, but the difference is I take that time to actually ask now, how does it align to me? 
Mm -hmm. What part of this works for me and what part do I need to tweak to make it more like Lindsay-fied, right? Make right. it more for me. Um, so when you think about like the last year or two years as, as kind of organically, I guess you will, we had to shift, right? We mm -hmm. had to make those changes as educators. How has kind of taking the time to ask like, what aligns to me? How do you think that's helped you like strengthen who you are as an educator? Uh, it's definitely strengthened. I had um, a sort of a set little burnout a couple of years ago. I had a student who was coming back from um, a very intense hospital-based program. And I had taught this student before, before he went into the program. And I was I can do this. I know him like I, and I put so much pressure on myself for this to be perfect and seamless. And it wasn't. And I think, um, I realized at that point that I was trying to do all the things that everyone had recommended for this little guy, instead of going with my gut and the, you know, my initial thought of, I know him, like, I, I think I know what he likes. I know. And, and really looking at him as a child rather than, okay, this little guy, like we have to make this a success for him and for me, but I lost sight of him. I lost sight of who he was and who I was and who I was to him as a former teacher. So I think the work that I've done in the past couple of years has helped me to reconnect with that important piece. Like when I am looking at a, at a child and it could be like the quiet compliant kid that you think has it all together. It could be a child whose behavior is a symptom of something that's really not, not right um, for them. Then I I'm looking, I'm looking deeper. I look more at, okay, how can I help them in a way that is that works for me. I'm much more, I'm a patient person. I'm much more patient with kids instead of thinking, okay, well, if I'm not looking super stern and losing my cool a little bit, the other teachers in my hallway are going to think that, you know, I have no control. I, um, I'm not a huge fan of the words classroom management, but when I manage my class, I now, I look for flow instead of looking for like, as you were saying, like a more robotic approach to it. Like, okay, everybody has to look perfect all the time. It's more of a give and take talking back and forth and it's not perfect, but it's okay if it's not perfect now. Right. Cause I'm comfortable with my classroom. So, you know, everything is different. The environment, the setup, everything is the way in a way that aligns to me. And, and like I said, I look at the kids now as whole kids, which was my mission, but I kind of was going at it from the wrong direction before. Yeah. Well, you bring up so many good points there. Like just, we can have, you know, a mission, right? We can have our purpose. We can know our why, but this is the difference too, between mindset and action, right? It's not, it has to be both, right? It's not one or the other, which is a lot of times where the challenges come from right? We have the mindset. That's the first part, right? So that mission, I'm, I'm student focused, I'm student oriented, but we live in a world that we, we are like bombarded with issues, challenges, struggles, crises, <laughs> pandemics, like you name it, it gets thrown at you, right? Changing initiatives, all these things. And so it can be, you can lose sight of it. You absolutely right. can, which is why I think it's so important you know, and I, I always go to like environment, right? How do you manage your environment so that you, you keep those at the front and center? So, um, you know, we've talked, I've, I've shared on here a lot. I have my mission statement posted in, you know, both of my offices, my office here at home, as well as my office at work, right? I have post-its surrounding me 
to remind myself of the tools. Mm-hmm. The tools are only good when you use them, right? Yeah. So when it comes to um, some of those, I would love to talk a little bit about how do you kind of set up your environment to help you? Um, but as you're kind of thinking through that, I want to give the listeners just one kind of um, kind of quick tip, I guess, if you will, because um, you had brought up, right, keeping that student focused, right, mm-hmm. keeping the student at the center. So one thing, um, and we haven't done it, we didn't really do it this year, but I had started um, in, in a couple years back is before the pandemic is when we would meet like on a student, when we would be, you know, meeting, you know, my, the goal is that the student's there. But it's not always possible, you know, sometimes you've you got to have those, we would want to have those meetings before the student came in to really start talking about plans and things like that. But I would always either have a picture or write the student's name, like front and center on the board, right? Mm-hmm. It's something so small, but that way, or if we were sitting around a table, we'd have it like on the table, right? Like in like a, you know, like a tent almost, right? Like you take their name and put it on the outside because it can be really easy to lose sight of who you're there talking about when that person isn't there, right? And so I think it's so important as a team to really determine, okay, what are we going to do to make sure we're keeping the student at the forefront? And Mm -hmm. so just by incorporating a picture, incorporating their name, um, ideally incorporating them is is a huge piece of it. Um, So looking at that, right? Looking at how do we set up our environment to help support us? Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned, I love to post my mission statement. I love post-its. I know you are a lover of post-its. I am a lover of post-its. Yeah. <laughs> can you just share with the listeners that you can go with post-its? Like what are some things you put on them? Because I think, again, I know you very well. And I, I think mm-hmm. what you put on is really smart and it helps you stay centered. Yeah. I'd love for you to share that. And that if there's anything else that you use um, that the listeners could then, you know, create their own meaning in their classroom. Sure. Okay. So actually one thing that you and I've talked about this is that again, that, that advice of, you know, teach like the educator you are. Um, and you, um, another thing you said to me once was you are the exact educator your students need this year. So that um, to me, because I'm, I'm in a sort of a hybrid class. So I have fives and sixes and there are other colleagues who have like the straight grade five or the straight sixth grade. And um, sometimes parents are hesitant to have their kids in the fifth and sixth, like the split class. They just, you know, that happens. And so as the educator, I have to be, um, I have to instill confidence in the parents that this is going to be a good class. So I have to instill it in myself. And I actually, speaking of post-its, I have post-it notes and I've got a green post-it note on every wall of my classroom. And that was a Lindsay Titus suggestion. And it's just, I actually left the post-its blank. What I was going to do was write on them. You are the exact educator your students need this year. But I left them blank because I thought, well, then those post-its can be anything I want them to be. And they can be anything a kid wants them to be. If I've got a student who needs to anchor into something and there's a phrase that helps them, I can tell them, well, when you see the little green post-it, you just remind yourself of of what that is. So the more I'm learning these little tips and tricks for myself, the more I'm able to incorporate them into my classroom in a way that the kids can use. Like I have a mission statement, but I also have a bulletin board set up for our class mission statement. And that's going to be one of the things we do uh, with our little community on the first few days. And again, this is going to be new, right? And I've got some sixth grade kids who are trying to be cool. And and so buy-in is going to be um, a challenge, but I think I think it ultimately, it'll be something that we create together and it's important, like it anchors me. So I think a class 
um, mission statement will help anchor the kids too. Um, and you know, like my my class environment last year because of COVID, we had a lot of desks that were you know separated and spread out, and the room was just a sea of desks, and it looked like it came out of like even before I went to school. So this year, I moved out all my desks, and I've got big like those kind of big tables that teachers sit at to take small groups, but no one wanted them so the classroom is full of them and they're it's not crowded it's like a lower profile and then um but kids can still be safely socially distanced but in a way that feels a little bit more like a cafe than like industrial almost you know so that kind of thing I wasn't comfortable last year so I found a way to make it safe and comfortable for all of us this year you know oh so many good things and I love you know the you know the post-it piece I love that you took it you know because when we talked about it we had talked about it with just you right so mm -hmm. you know having that piece but I love that you gave the idea to take it one step further and it really could almost be an entire class right like yeah, you could give all of your students a green post-it and tell them, hey, write your go-to phrase, right? When you yeah. stuck in a rut or you are, you can't figure something out, what's going to be, it's, it's really self-talk is really what we're teaching our students. So you, you know, have your kids locate where those green post-its are around the room. They're blank and they're blank mm -hmm. for a reason because they're going to have their own copy at their desk. Right. So that when they see that green post-it, they're going to know and you could have the same at your desk, right? So mm -hmm. you know what it means. And I love that just visual, you know, visual ability um, that that just comes with that. And it's so simple, right? right? It's so easy. It's yeah. A green post-it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It took two minutes. And I just I just wrote this down. Like we're having a podcast conversation. <laughs> I still found something to write down, Lindsay. <laughs> That's a really good idea. Yeah, the other thing I love that you brought up is you said something to the effect of, you know, I have to be confident in my in what I'm doing before mm -hmm. they're going to be confident in me. And it's right. true, right? But so often, and it really does link to that perfectionistic quality that so many of us aim to have is we think, you know, we've got to have it fully figured out before mm -hmm. we can show it. And, and I like to prove the opposite, right? Yeah. So show what you know. And if you don't know it all, you express that and you learn and you grow and you expand, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that I love that you brought it that reverse way. Like I have to feel it first, right? I've got to believe it. I've got to feel it. Then I can show it. Right. And so, you know, I've been the last couple of weeks, I've been really stuck on this concept of not, not stuck in a bad way. <laughs> I can't stop thinking about it is, um, being authentically confident. Right. So it, it comes from uh, the book Onward by Elena Aguilar that I know we've talked about and it's mm -hmm. actually in the weekly email this week where I kind of reflect on it because I really look at them as they can be really strong, right, on their own. But when you combine them, it, they're so powerful. But I look at it as like authenticity being, what do I know to be true about me? Which is what we yeah. talked about with that identity piece, right? Then confidence is how do I, it's almost performance-based. How do I show that? Mm -hmm. And we show our confidence by trying new things. And that has been something that since I've gotten to know you, you are not afraid to try new things. You are constantly trying new things, um, you know, to better serve your students. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to, you know, again, kind of that consumption of content, do you have, um, you know, where is kind of like your go-to? Like, are you a, do you follow more podcasts? Do you do more blogs? Do you do a combination? Like, what do you, what would you say are your areas of where you, Kind of gain inspiration for your classroom 
Well, I used to be um, a total book person. Like I wanted a book. I wanted a whole book. I wanted a place I could put, no kidding, post-it notes and highlight and do all the, all the things. But I think as I'm, and I still love books, but I think as I'm becoming a, a bit more of a savvy, maybe, consumer of information, I've started, um, I'm not an auditory learner by nature, but I've really started to um, listen to podcasts. I actually found, I found Define You by listening to the Teach Better podcast, um, which I found by reading a Teach Better book and, and looking at their, uh, their website. But now I've found all kinds of different podcasts through Teach Better and Define You that I'm, you know, that I'm enjoying and I get, and it's like a little snapshot of different things. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. Gives like, I'm getting aha moments now from all kinds of different podcasts. So that to me has been a real growth thing because I'm, you know, I, I'm not a listener by nature. I'm a reader. Um, blog posts also, I read the Teach Better blogs um, every day. I read um, Tannenbaum Tech. I read her blogs every time she has one. So I have my little go-tos, but I also have um, different, like I'll, I'll explore different blogs. Like if I know there's a blog associated with say a product, I'd rather read the blog than buy the product unless it's free like that kind of thing you know so I've, I've found a lot of different ways to get information in short bursts and I find if I if it is in a short burst I'm more likely to take what I find tweak it like tweak it and try it right away rather than okay a book I want to read the whole thing I want to make sure I can do this perfectly and then go so I'm learning that skill from podcasts and blogs now yeah I love it I mean I think I, I love too that you know I think it's a, just a really great reminder for people that you know you can have kind of your go-to method and this could be for mm -hmm. anything right it could be for for content creation it could it could be honestly be like as simple as like the recipes you cook for dinner right like we have our staples here at our house. Like we, we basically, we make really simple foods. Either Eric or I are really huge into cooking. Um, he likes it a little bit more than I do. You know, I'm like simple, like good, go, go with what you know, right? Mm -hmm. But every once in a while we change it up. But I think that's so important, right? We'll try mm -hmm. a new recipe. Um, we went to a family party yesterday and he did like a new recipe from in the smoker. And like, it was, I didn't try it because it had food I don't like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for a fun fact, for those of you that don't know, I'm super picky eater. <laughs> so there's a lot that he makes that I won't eat. Um, but apparently they were a big hit, right? People love them. But it took him, again, it was stepping outside that comfort zone, doing something new. Mm -hmm. And you know, hopefully you can see kind of the, the comparison here. It's like, it's okay to stick with what you know that works for you. Yeah. But as you know, like I am constantly as a coach, I feel like one of my goals, one of my, one of my missions is to push you to try new things. Right? Mm -hmm. It's to push you to experience um, things that you might not push yourself to experience. Right. right. And so Sandra, I would love for you, if you're, if you're open for it, I would love for you to share the idea that I had you try a couple weeks ago with not consuming any content. Oh yeah. And where kind of that came from? Because I think a lot of people listening are going to resonate with it. I think a lot of people, you know, that, that are a part of define you in whatever capacity, whether you listen to the podcast, you get the emails or you've invested in a course or coaching, you know, it's not, it's not hard to consume content. Like a lot of people want that consumption, but can you kind of talk about like why I said like, Hey, for this amount of time, like don't do any. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that stemmed from me saying, you know, that I was getting stuck in kind of a consumption rut. I had all summer. So I had all summer to read and I read some great books. I read, you know, really good stuff. I read award-winning culture. I reread personal and authentic by Tom Murray. And these are like great, great books by amazing people, but I was just piling one, um, set of fabulous ideas from great educators onto another until I got to the point where I'm overwhelmed. I have no clue where to start. Like I have no, I want these, I want to be in these books. I don't know quite where to begin to make this align to me and to what's possible for me, you know, in the next school year. So Lindsay, you suggested that I just kind of do like a little education cleanse and I did it and it was tough. Like it was tough. You know, one of my favorite things is it's summertime and this is no, this is zero risk right now. Like I am reading about something super cool and I don't have to go try it tomorrow because I can't because I have no students to try it on. But I tend to build things up way too much in my mind. And that just, I think it was a, I think it was a one day cleanse and it was super tough. But sure enough, like the next day, I almost literally woke up and was like, oh, okay, yeah, now I know what I want to do. <laughs> you know, like now I know what I'm going to apply from Hans's book and what I'm going to apply for Tom, from Tom's book. Like I know where I want to go. And there were a ton of other really great resources I read this summer too. But that day off just helped to, you know, it was a clarity day pretty much, I think. Yes. Oh, no, I love that so much. I still get like goosebumps when you tell it because it was one day, right? Yeah. Think about it. You know, we've had X number of days this summer. Let's just go with two months, right? So 60 days, right? Hmm. One day. I don't even know what percentage that is, but it's really small, right? Right. <laughs> but in our minds, we make it up that like, I can't take a day off. Like I can't, I mean, we do this during the school year too, right? I can't mm-hmm. take an afternoon off. I can't not stay late. I, you know, and that's where things pile up. And so yeah, that was my push is to say, take one day and see what happens. Yeah. And exactly what you found was clarity, right? And it mm-hmm. aligns with the, when I pause, I find clarity. Right? right. Sometimes it takes a stepping back, taking that, taking that time away for us to see things more clearly. Um, I can't tell you the number of times that happens. I'll be sitting here, whether it's trying to, you know, write, like plan out notes for a podcast or write a, a blog or, you know, any other project I'm working on. If I feel that like stuck, if I feel that like I'm trying to force it, I literally like, I can't just stay here and do something different. I have to mm-hmm. actually like get up and walk. And most of the time, I'm going to say like 80% of the time I get to like my family room and I'm like, I got it. I figured yeah. it out. Right. And then like, <laughs> I come back and I get it on the paper and then I still take that break because it's needed. Like it's so important to do that. And so I think that's just really important that you're embedding that, whether it's a day a week, whether it's an afternoon, whether it's start with 10 minutes, right? Yeah. Start with 15 minutes and build from there. I think that's so, so important. And I love that you shared that because I think it is, you took that risk of like, okay, can I do this? You want not only prove that you can do it, but you also mm-hmm. found that clarity where then things started to make sense. Right. Oh, now I know how I can use that. Now I know mm-hmm. how I can use that. And I love that. Awesome. Well, all right. One thing I want to make sure that we touch on because we are heading into the school year, right? Mm -hmm. As crazy as that is. Um, And we know that there may be some things that happen that bring some challenges, right? That bring some struggles, that bring some like, oh my goodness, what's going on moment. How do you, among all of those, how do you continue to find joy or what continues to bring you joy as an educator, you know, even on those like 
I'm going to call them like super tough days. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, you know, like, of course, this is a pretty classic, I think, educator joy thing. I'm not, it's not original, but it's true that I, um, you know, a little, a little person having an aha moment. And because I've learned to expand the way I see an aha moment, you know, it could be a child who has trouble with self-regulation and self-regulates. It could be, you know, it's not necessarily going to be an academic success or someone who comes back from phys ed class and they just, you know, they're a runner and they just ran their personal best and how like that look on their face and just to enjoy that and you know whether they're little kids or big kids there's something about the like the purity of of a kid experiencing joy or being proud of themselves that that's that's a real joy as an educator but another really cool thing about being an experienced educator is um if you look hard enough there's always something like something kind of comes to you know, on a, on a, a tough day, there's always something that'll come to sort of show you that you have some kind of impact. Like, for example, last, last year I had a tough day, but I got an email from a mom and all it said was, um, you know, thank you for making sure so-and-so got breakfast today. That was it. But that mom doesn't write to parents. She never writes to, uh, doesn't write to teachers rather. She never writes to teachers. So that one liner from her sent from her phone, like just meant the world to me that she appreciated that. Or like you can get joy from appreciation from parents or just seeing a parent, you know, light up when their child does well at something, including self-regulation, including, you know, including being allowed to share something important to them with the class. So it's not only students being proud and happy, it's parents and, and other teachers, like mentoring young teachers is a real joy for me, like seeing someone I had one day last year where I felt I was so unsuccessful as a teacher. And one of the young teachers had run an idea by me that she had. And I said, oh, yeah, that's great. And, and, you know, we tweaked it a little because she asked for some feedback. And she came in and she said, you know what? What we like that idea, it was so great. And the tweak, that's what made the lesson so good. And I can't thank you enough. So just when I was thinking, oh, like I was not my best educator self today, she came in and helped me realize that, okay, but you know, in a way I was playing a role as an educator with her and, and that brought me joy as well. So I think I've learned to, especially since I worked with Define You, like look for those moments of joy. Like instead of, I have a little post-it that says, um, cultivate joy with discipline. And I think that's uh, Jillian Dubois who said that the first time, but that's exactly the practice that we all need to use. So absolutely. Oh, I love it. I love that. And so I wrote down expand the aha moments. Like I love Mm -hmm. that because I do, I think we can often look at them through an academic lens. Yeah. Um, but especially me, you know, who, who I live and breathe behavior, right. I'm Mm -hmm. constantly looking for, Oh my God, he, he just walked in and said, hi, and sat right down. Like that's the aha moment. Yeah. It gets to when we expand those definitions, right? Because if you mm-hmm. think about it, our definitions are always arbitrary based on our own lens, our bias, our experience. So when we can learn to expand our definitions and we can learn to kind of redefine what success looks like. And I think mm-hmm. incorporating your students in, right? What is a successful week? maybe a successful day, maybe a successful class period. Right. What does that look like, sound like, feel like for you? I think that'd be a really great activity even to do with your students. Mm -hmm. So give them a column that's like one class period, one day, one week, one month, one year. 
right? And again, you can you can take some out or add them based on the age of your student and have them, what would it look like? I always do look like, sound like, feel like. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're almost making like a chart, right? Right. So what is one class period look like, sound like, feel like if it was successful to you as a student? Mm-hmm. Because I, I can only imagine that you're going to get very unique answers from your kid. And so one kid, like I can think of, I, I didn't do this activity, but I asked him a couple of years ago, I said, okay, so last year, you know, and I had worked a lot with him, which tells you he, he wasn't probably in class a ton. Cause usually if they're with me, they're not always in class. Right. So I'm doing a lot of the outside and I'm doing a lot of the training with the teachers, things like that. And I said, okay, so last year was last year. It happened. I go, I'm actually grateful because you and I got to spend a lot of time together. Right. So how are we going to make this year more like, let's define success for this year. And I kid you not, like, it still like hits me. He goes, I want to stay in class more. And I was like, yeah. okay, that's great. You know, and again, and I add myself in there because I hadn't really thought through it. Like we all have this assumption, right? We all made this, this assumption that he didn't want to be in class. So he was mm. constantly out of class, but he actually did. He just didn't know how to regulate himself well enough to stay in class. And so for him to say, I was like, that's beautiful. Cause I could, I could say, okay, so then I, okay, what does it mean? What is this class period? What do you need to be successful at staying in class for this? Mm-hmm. And like each class, cause he was in junior high, each class was a little different. One class, it was, well, I need my seat changed because I can't sit next to that person. They distract me. You know, I was like, oh my God, like, right. So involve your students. But I love that idea of expanding. What is that moment? What is, what is that moment of impact and how do Mm -hmm. we learn to see it differently through almost like a different lens, right? Mm -hmm. So good. Oh my goodness. All right. So much amazingness has been shared. Um, Sandra, I want to make sure that people stay connected with you. Um, because again, I, I know you have a wealth of knowledge. I know you have so many ideas to be sharing and I'm excited to, you know, have you share more this year and, and get, you know, get that voice out. You know, you started blogging. I can't wait to see, you know, more that comes from you. So if people want to connect with you, what is the best place for them to do that? Okay. Well, I am on Twitter at Sandra K. Weir. So uh, that's my Twitter handle. And my Instagram handle is different. It's at Sandra Weir 35. So Sandra Weir 35, all like Sandra Weir, all one word, 35. Perfect. And those will of course be in the show notes. Make sure you reach out to Sandra. And, you know, again, throughout this episode, you know, we, it's probably no surprise to listeners, you know, Sandra has been a client of Define You for about a year now, if not more. Yeah. Um, And honestly, as a coach, seeing your growth is, it's exactly why I do what I do. And so I so appreciate you coming on to share your story, um, to share with the listeners how Define You has helped you ultimately redefine who you mm-hmm. need to be as an educator. And for anybody listening, um, you know, again, Define You has a lot of different options to make it, you know, whatever level of investment, time and money that you are comfortable with. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, you can check the website or the best place is honestly just to send me a DM, send me an email. Um, let's connect. Um, Sandra, as we're heading, you know, as we're finishing, when you think about the last year, year and a half, where, what do you think is kind of the biggest like takeaway that you've had that you've learned about yourself from Define You? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, I mean, I think that from Define You, I've learned that confidence, you know, you were talking earlier about confidence and confidence I used to think of confidence as a very surface thing. Like I thought people either had it or they, or they didn't, they were born with it or they, you know, and I thought I'm just a person who was born without a lot of confidence and you can nurture it, but it's the, 
like you said, the, the iceberg part of the, the part under the water surface that's the most important, right? That you, you just know, like knowing who you are and what you want is super important. And then the confidence part, the part that people see just comes afterwards. And that to me has been like, whoa. And it just sort of happened organically. That was the best part. I, I you know, I just, I did coaching with you and I spoke to the group and, um, Honestly, it just like it happened gradually. And now every once in a while I wake up, I'm like, whoa, I'm a completely different person right now in a good way, but still a completely different person. So even 30 years into education, it's possible to look at yourself and say, okay, I've done good things, but I can get just a little bit better by thinking of myself in a more positive way and, and doing things that align to me. Mm -hmm. absolutely oh my goodness yes well thank you so much for coming on today I've so appreciated it I've loved learning a little bit more about your story and and letting you share your voice with the Define You community um listeners stay tuned for a brand new episode coming same time same place next week until then keep on loving who you are trusting who you are owning who you are they will help you define who you are each and every day hope you guys all have an amazing week and I will talk to you soon